You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, J-Town. This is our Advent series called God Revealed. So today I want to just spend a few minutes uh, talking to you guys about joy. Um, I do think that text we just got done reading uh, is really about joy. And so I'm actually going to uh, kind of use two passages here. We're going to be in Luke 2 for just a little bit, and then we're going to jump to Philippians chapter 4, and I'll kind of land the plane in Philippians 4. It's easier to be sad than glad. Think about that. It's easier to be sad than glad. We have a, I wish I would have taken a picture or got the picture from my wife. We have a a stray cat that keeps showing up at our back door, like at the crack of dawn, like really early. And it, we call it the grumpy cat because it has like this massively sad face. It's the cutest thing in the world. It's like, you, are so, you look so sad. I just want to go out there and, and hug on it, but probably some kind of disease and some weird stuff. But uh, I, I would say this, and, you know, I, I think there's uh, neuroscientists that believe this and kind of, you know, documented all this. Our brain uh, seems to be bent toward the negative, and we have to really work hard to move it toward the positive. I, I may be missing up this little stat, but I think I remember reading this week. It takes like three seconds for a negative thought to attach to your mind, and it takes like 14 for a positive thought. It's like, like double, triple the amount there. Uh, one psychologist says this, your brain is like flypaper for negativity <laughs> and Teflon for positivity. Your brain is like flypaper for negativity and Teflon for positivity. So our brains are bent to focus on what is wrong with the world as well as what is wrong with us. And so I'm not here to kind of defend that today. It's not my whole point. I, I think all of us would agree with what was just said there. I think all of us would kind of have some agreement that it is way easier to be sad than it is glad. But I want to kind of move into uh, what, I, what I feel like may be the case for a lot of us. You know, one of the themes that I noticed over my, I, we get a lot of cards from people and love those. And maybe someday the jury family will do a card. I don't know. We, maybe not. I don't know. We did one once when Michael Bryan was first born and eh, we never did it again. Uh, so, but I love it when you guys send us cards. I do. And one of the themes that I've noticed is that there's a theme of joy on all of these cards, almost all of them. And so I don't, you know, I don't know if that was, you know, intentionally sought after or if that was more of a subconscious choice uh, because I think a lot of us, including me, have, have not felt a lot of joy this Christmas. Or maybe even another way of saying this is that um, it's, it's taken a lot of work to experience joy during this Christmas season. So what, what do you do with that, right? What do you do with kind of this um, sort of like the, what you know to be true about this season and then what you're experiencing in your emotional world? I mean, the passage of Scripture here in, in Luke 2, the, uh, the, the crux of this text is in verses 10 through 11 this announcement that came from the angels to earth. This is the kind of central key, you know, you know, verses here. And in this, we see what the angel says in verse 10. We, we know the story somewhat, you know, if you've 
watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you, you hear this every year, and there was something inside of me that kind of wanted to say, let's do something different than going to Luke 2. And I decided, no, there's something about this passage that has a way of anchoring us. And I, and I just want to focus on this message here. Look what the angels said. They come to the shepherds and they announce this, not just to the shepherds, but to all of us. It says, don't be afraid, which is the number one command in all of Scripture. It's the number one command that Jesus says. Do not be afraid. Some afraid in the spiritual journey as a, an ever decline in fear and an ever slow increase in trust in God. Don't be afraid for look. Why? Why? I proclaim to you good news, which is the word where we get gospel from. It's an announcement. It's not good advice. It's, a, it's an announcement that's coming from heaven to earth. A good news of great joy that will be for all people. That word great, uh, we get our word mega from. That's exactly what it is. It's a, a literal translation of the that, you know, I proclaim to you good news of a mega joy. <laughs> I just I love that. Mega joy. And the, and the idea behind this word is this, there's something that you've been waiting for for a really long time and then out of the blue it happens. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what that would be for you. Maybe it's like your favorite author and you found out they had a new book. It's like, oh, goodness gracious, a little mega joy. I was walking through Target the other day, and, and I saw that J.K. Rowling's got a new book out. I had no idea, and like a little bit of joy, like mega joy right there came out. I was like, I got to get this book and, and read that. Or maybe it's your favorite director has a new movie, and you had no idea. Or one of your favorite artists has a new album, and it comes out. Or you get some free food. Like, I, you know, I love Chick-fil-A, and I got their app, and they've been doing the 12 days of Christmas, and I can't wait to wake up the next morning and see what the freebie is, right? Last week, yesterday was chocolate chip cookie. Didn't get a chance to go get that. But that's like a little, like a spontaneous little, little mega joy. Or, you know, if you're a gamer here, maybe you get a new campaign on a game you really love or whatever it is. Or here's another, imagine with me. So let's say someone burst in here and they announced to us that they have found the miracle cure for COVID. And nobody's like fighting over it. Both the right and left are all on board. There's no like weird side effects. There's no strange thing going on with it. Even Biden and Trump take it in the same room and give each other a high five. Like, like it's for real. It's legit. It really happened. So if, if that really happened, there was a cure for COVID, what would, what would happen in your soul at that moment? Yeah, this is not like a trick question, right? It's like this is a softball. Mega joy. Like you would be really excited. And this is exactly what this word is trying to capture here. That the angel comes and announces to the people of God what they've been waiting for a long, long time. Surprise! It is finally here. Out of the blue, God comes and makes this announcement that the wait is done. And it's mega joy. It's great joy. Why is that, Lau? We'll look at verse 11. The angel goes on and says, Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. The reason why this is great joy or a mega joy is because a baby has been born. And this is no ordinary baby. Look at the specific titles that the angel announces about this baby. First of all, he is a Savior. If you have ever sinned against God, you need a Savior. Amen? I'm going to say that again and get a little amen, right? 
you know, we don't have to make the argument, all of us have sinned against God. It just takes us a few minutes to reflect upon it. Maybe seconds, all right? Or at least for me, seconds. And I can say, oh yeah, I have sinned, right? If you have ever sinned against God, then guess what you need? You need a savior. I love how Mary emphasizes this in her song that she wrote in Luke chapter one, where she says this, starting in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God. Why? Because he's my savior. Only God can forgive sins against God. That is why God sent the eternal son of God into the world because he is God. That is why Jesus said, the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Therefore, a savior was born, but that's not all. He's also the Messiah, or some translations say the Christ. He is the long-predicted, long-awaited, the one anointed above all others. He's the final anointed king. He's the final anointed prophet. He's the final anointed priest in him, in Jesus. All of the promises of God are yes. That's why we can sing, his favor is upon you. Because it's not built upon your behavior. It's built upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. And you can sing that with confidence that God's face is looking upon you. And not only is he a savior, the Messiah, he is also the Lord. That's giving us, you know, going all the way back to Exodus chapter 3 where God came to Moses. We looked at this a couple weeks ago. and, And God revealed his personal name to Moses. His name is Yahweh. This is the same idea that's getting across here. He's God in the flesh. He's God with skin on. He's God made visible to the human eyes. He's the ruler, the sovereign, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the Lord of the universe. That's why this announcement is mega joy. A savior has been born for you. Christ the Lord. So Lyle, if this is all true, which it is, then why am I not experiencing joy right now? That's a real question. I think a lot of times, a lot of us just kind of just suppress it and move on and don't really want to ask that question. We'll sing joy to the world, but the whole time, That's not what we're experiencing internally. So I know this to be true, Lyle. I I celebrate it almost every Christmas. So why am I not experiencing this joy, this mega joy that the angel's announcing? Well, first, I mean, it's it's been a really hard year. Amen? Amen. 2020 has been crazy. I mean, that's just not even doing it legitimacy. It's been a really, really difficult year. Some of you guys have lost family members. Some of you guys have lost really close friends. Some of you have severed relationships because of all that's going on with the racial tension stuff that happened this past summer and still kind of present in our culture. The election issues. I mean, just all kinds of crazy stuff that's going on in this year. And it's just been really really hard. Another reason, and I know this may sound kind of silly saying this, but I think we sometimes forget this. You're a human being. You have limits. You're fragile. 
You have a lot of vulnerabilities. You're broken and at the same time beautiful. Amen? It's not either or, it's both. But there are seasons where maybe we feel our brokenness more than other seasons. So look, if you don't find yourself happy or joyful this Christmas, don't feel shame or guilt about it. God's not looking down you, being frustrated with you. He's actually showing you a ton of compassion. In Exodus 34, is what we looked at last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. The very uh, thing that God reveals about his character, which becomes the most often quoted character quality of God throughout the Old Testament, and Jesus embodies this in perfect form, is when God came to Moses and says, look, I am a God who is compassionate, who is gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So look, I'm just, like God is going easy on you, right? He's not looking at you going, where's the great joy that my angel announced? Come on, manufacture it, make it happen. No, he, he understands this has been a really difficult year and that you are a human being. And so just as God is going easy on you, I encourage you to do the same. Just like he's showing compassion on you, show compassion on yourself during this season. And, not but, because sometimes but can then kind of disregard everything I just said before, because that is true. And at the same time, we need to remember that joy is more than an emotion. It's not less than that, but it's more than that. And this is what I mean by that. It's, it's this idea that you also have to understand you have to choose joy. It's not just something that happens to you. It's also something that is active. You have to choose joy over and over. Go home and Google the Psalms and see all the places where it says rejoice in the Lord. That is a command from God. So in, in one sense, there's this, this moral obligation that we have to pursue joy and that joy specifically in God. We are commanded to rejoice in the Lord. And so, so yes, it is an emotion, but it's more than emotion. There's a part where we have to choose joy. Henry Nouwen says this, joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. It is a choice based on the knowledge that we belong to God and we have found in God our refuge, our safety, and that nothing, not even death, can take God away from us. So there's a, there's a part where it's not just happening to us, but we've got to choose it. And so this is the question that maybe you're asking then, how do I do this, Lyle? Especially in a season where, man, it's really work to be joyful. How do, I, how, do I, how do I pursue this kind of joy or, or what does this kind of look like in my own life? And this is where I just want to land the plane in Philippians chapter 4 because Philippians is a book about joy. We looked at this book uh, a few months ago and unpacked this text. And I just want to look at a couple verses here in chapter 4 because I do think it, it isn't like the remedy. You know, I'm not saying, hey, do these things, take this pill, whatever, and all of a sudden you're going to be joyful and happy. But I do think it's the path that we get on. It's, the, it's where we walk to kind of get this joy that's in us that's not determined on circumstances. And I want to encourage you to come back next week because we'll unpack this text a little bit more as we 
start a short series on prayer. And next week I want to look at, um, or actually Tony Stanrod's going to look at a, a prayer of gratitude to end the year 2020. But look what Paul says here, starting in verse 4, chapter 4. He says, rejoice. That's a command. That's not like a suggestion. It's a command. Rejoice in the Lord and say this with me. When? Out loud. Always. I know it's not underlined, so it kind of throws us off a little bit. It's in italics, so we can go italics or underline. Amen? So rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case we didn't hear it well, he says, I'll say it again. Rejoice. It's a command. All right, Paul, then how? How do we, how do we rejoice in the Lord always? What does this look like? I'll give you three because it's in this text. And they all start with C, so it helps you remember. Amen? Going back to my Southern Baptist roots. Don't normally do this, but in this one, it does help. First one is this. Commune with Jesus. Look what he says in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. What? Say it out loud. By prayer. Prayer ultimately is communion with the Father. And so how, Lord, do I... Well, do I, do I rejoice in the Lord? Well, you, you commune with Jesus. You be present with Jesus. You make room for Jesus in your life. You draw near to God daily. Whatever word you want to put on this, I'm just trying to find different words to kind of make this one statement. Just, just be with Jesus. Draw near to him. God is the most joyful being in the universe. Just sit with that for a second. God is the most joyful being in the universe. The psalmist says at the right hand of God are pleasures. Not like Debbie Downers, right? Not like sorrow and oh, sadness. No, at the right hand of God the Father are pleasures forevermore. And so as I draw near to the most joyful person in the universe, then guess what will happen to you? You become joyful. Listen how C.S. Lewis puts this. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They are not a sort of prize which God could, if he chose, hand out to anyone. They are a great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. If you are not, you will remain dry. Another famous quote of his that you guys have probably heard from me before. He says this, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. One pastor says it like this, joy is the inner condition of the heart of Jesus. And this is what we take on in our own inner world as we commune with Jesus, follow him, and obey Jesus over the course of a lifetime.
So look, don't, don't hear this as some kind of indictment on you to make you feel guilt and shame because you didn't get up this morning and read your Bible, right? That's not helpful. It isn't. I'm trying to invite you, right? Just like God is inviting us to come and commune with him. Come and sit in the presence of the most joyous being in all of the universe. We've got a week and a half or so left of 2020. And the first service, Ty said, amen. And so we'll do it again. Amen to everybody, right? And I just want to encourage you maybe over the course of this week that you just really sit down and you think and you make a plan and you build this practice into your life in 2021. Commune with Jesus. Spend time with him. Talk with him. Make room for him. Secondly, he says, cultivate thankfulness. Look what he says here. In everything, by prayer and petition, what do we do with thanksgiving? So if I want to continue to kind of obey this command of rejoice in the Lord and deal with all the kind of crazy emotions that's going on, especially a lack of joy in my life. It's not only am I to commune with Jesus, but there's a way that we need to cultivate thankfulness. Gratitude is both a posture toward all of life as well as a practice of life. And I'm just going to state the obvious here. I think all of us would agree, complaining does not lead you down a path of joy. Amen? I don't know. I've never complained and left going, I feel really joyous right now, right? I'm so glad I complained about that. That just made me feel great, right? That's why elsewhere in Philippians, Paul says, do everything without complaining. We'll get into this more next week when we look at this prayer of gratitude to end the year 2020. But I do want to encourage you to think through what it would look like for you that before you jumped into the routine of your day, that you just sat down or just stood up, whatever you want to do, and wrote down three things that you're thankful for. What if you just did it for the month of January? Before you jump into your routine, say, God, I just give you thanks right now that I'm a child of yours. And I get the privilege of calling you Father. And you're for me, you're not against me. Your face is shining upon me. Gotta thank you for my family. What a blessing, what a joy they are. And I thank you for my health. What if you just did that? And maybe the same three for a few days in a row, that's all right. I wonder if we put that as a practice of our life, what it would do in our emotional world. Commune with Jesus. Cultivate thankfulness. And the last one is this, to kind of stick with the C word, right? Uh, and I got this from another pastor friend. Uh, it's curate, which means take charge of. It's C-U-R-A-T-E. What you think on. Take charge of what you set your mind on. Look what he says here in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, Whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy. Look what he says here. This is a command. Set your mind on these things. Think about these things. So when I, 
my younger days when I would read this passage, this little verse here, it just made me sometimes feel guilty because I felt like the only application of this was that I needed to read my Bible more, which is not bad to do that. I think we all need to read our Bible more and there's where we do find things that are beautiful and true. But I was kind of going through a season where I like, just didn't need to read, like, I just kind of felt like that was more guilt being landed on me. But when you, when you look at what Paul is saying here, yes, that's true. I'm not saying you can't, don't need to do that. Just commune with Jesus, right? Uh, but I do think what's leaning here is to behold what is beautiful. I mean, look at all the description terms here. What is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, all of those things. He's talking about what is beauty here. And so part of what I'm encouraging you to do when you curate your mind and when you take charge of what you think on, then go find where you find beauty. Where do you see beauty? And set your mind on that. Think on that. Maybe it's um, reading a good book or maybe it's poetry for you. Maybe it's watching a well-written and directed movie that, you know, deals with some kind of humanity issue or whatever. Maybe it's nature, right? I know right now it's kind of dark and dreary and, and, you know, cold and, you know, but there's still beauty out there and just encourage you to bundle up, put whatever you need on and get outside. Look up. Man, there's something about beholding the beauty of nature that alivens you. It does something inside of us. Maybe it's music. And I don't know about you, I've just noticed in my own rhythm of life that I consume a ton of words. I listen and read a ton of words. Part of it is the, the reality of my job. Like I gotta have something to say every week. That's why my boys say my job's from hell, right? Because it's like, this is the worst job in the world, Dad. You're writing a term paper every week and giving a speech every week. It's like, I never wanna be a pastor. And so we're working on that, right? Just pray for my boys, all right? But it, it, there's, a, there's a part where I'm always consuming stuff because I know I gotta, I gotta have something. I can't just get them and say, hey, it's a bad week. Let's just sing another song, amen, right? Like, that ain't gonna work. And one of the things I neglect in my own life is music. And this week, I, I mean, I just, I mean, my music's cheesy, but I don't care. It's my music, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll listen to things while I'm running now instead of hearing, like, words, you know? I'm just listening to music, and there is, there is something, right, that enlivens you. I think that's what Paul's getting after. And it's so important, what you give your attention to is the person you become. You hear that? What you give your attention to is the person you become. John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which I'd recommend that book if you're looking for a book to read before the start of the year to kind of set yourself up for a new year. It's a great book. He says it like this. Put another way, the mind is the portal to the soul and what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. And I would add, in your emotional health. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you give your attention to. That bodes well for those apprentices of Jesus who give the bulk of their attention to him and to all that is good, beautiful, there's the word, man, and true in this world. But not for those who give their attention to the 24-7 news cycle of outrage and anxiety and emotion-charged drama or the nonstop feed of celebrity gossip and cultural nonsense. We become what you give your attention to for better or worse. 
Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again, rejoice, commune with Jesus. Cultivate thankfulness. Curate, take charge of what you set your minds to. And like I said, I know there's a lot of complexity to this, and I'm not saying if you do all these things, just everything's going to be awesome and amazing. I, I do put before you that I do think this is a path, that if these become a, a practice and a rhythm of your life, I do think you'll find joy. It may be small taste of it, but you will. You may not be happy all the time, right? But I do, and I want this for us, I do want to experience more and more of the great joy that is in Jesus, what these, these angels announce to all of us. I want joy to be the default setting of the person that I'm becoming in Christ. And that's my prayer for all of us here. The joy becomes the default setting to the person that we are becoming in Christ. Let's pray together. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church, J-Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com slash jtown.